that's got to wake some people up. And maybe it, it, it takes something jarring where the 10 year jumps above 5% quickly and continues to move. And what does that look like to the bank balance sheets? And as rates rise and puts more strain on the banks and more bank downgrades, people run to withdraw their funds, which means the banks need to sell their treasuries in order to raise those funds, which pushes rates up more, which puts more strain on the banks, which means they have to sell more treasuries to meet more redemptions, which pushes the, I mean, it's just a, it's really a doom loop. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics as we dig into another trading week with silver, at least in the past couple of days, rising, which has been a nice respite. We're recording this Monday night, so bear with me if uh, we see a reversal of that on Tuesday morning, although at least Monday, a bit of a continuation of an unusual rally on Friday, given that we had a labor report, which We'll dig into perhaps what the labor report actually measures, but still came in almost double the expectations. We saw silver and gold trade down a little bit before quite a noticeable rally. So here to dig into that, along with the latest activity on the retail level of the silver market, it's Andy Sheckman of Miles Franklin. Andy, how are you doing tonight? Good to see you, buddy. I'm well, thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. And something I think people may have heard about over the weekend, although uh, wanted to pass along is the unfortunate passing of Jim Sinclair, affectionately known as Mr. Gold. Uh, I personally never got a chance to meet him, although I know that you were friends with him as he was quite close with Bill Holter. And anything uh, you could share about Jim and uh, his unfortunate passing before we dig into the silver market? Well, he was known as Mr. Gold, and he taught me a lot, and he became a friend, and he will be missed, for sure. He was one of the old school guys who I'll never forget, when gold was 300 bucks, he said it would get to $1,650, and everyone thought he was crazy. Uh, he was right, and he's made other predictions, too, saying that gold would reach levels like $10,000 an ounce and never come back down because in the end it would be used to peg to a new economic system. I believe he'll be proven right there as well. And um, he was a great guy and someone who believed in what he said and he was authentic. So uh, certainly he'll be missed. And um, uh, I know that, I know that Bill will miss him a lot and I certainly will. And you know, the, the old guys that, that, were so uh, profound in, in my uh, education in this industry, namely him and Richard Russell, uh, to name it, the two most prominent. Uh, really, I owe a big debt of gratitude to, and I'll miss him profoundly. So uh, for what it's worth, uh, rest in peace, Jim. You'll be missed. Yeah, and certainly I think he was a good teacher to a lot of us in the metals community. I remember reading a lot of his articles and watching his interviews and learning from him and yeah, he often talked about how he believed there was going to be a reset in two stages, yeah. which I guess we'll see in due time if that comes to pass. Certainly, as I look at the treasury market and perhaps more so think about the supply that is coming online in the next two years, I believe about 50% of the current outstanding debt is set to be rolled over in the next two years. Obviously, you factor in the growing deficits that are out there if the Fed continues their current quantitative tightening program and 
you wonder if we get into issues at some point, maybe not that far off and um, we'll have something to discuss on that one later. But before we dig into that and labor report, quick update, um, anything going on order flow wise of note or change in the past week? Obviously we saw a pretty tough uh, couple of weeks with the silver price declining, going below $21 now, fortunately rebounding a bit, but any significant changes in terms of order flow and the premiums? You know, I no, the order flow, yes. The order flow, look, I mean, there's so many things that keep happening all of a sudden. And, you know, you got oil prices at, at their highest point in, in over a year. You got OPEC cutting production. You got mortgage rates the highest since 2000. You have a fresh new war that just broke out. You got the Speaker of the House removed for the first time in history you got all of these things happening at, at once. And, and so, yeah, it's like someone lit a fuse on Friday over the weekend, uh, hammered with emails, hammered with people scurrying. And that's one of the things that, you know, I think is a problem because I, I, I have this overwhelming feeling that there will be a fuse that is lit a real fuse. Like Jim talks about, he said, there will be two resets the first man-made you could argue we are in the midst of this man-made ridiculous bizarro world environment he said the second one will be mother nature and by the way um that story should be expanded upon just a tad bit he he told it to me over dinner one night and it's not a secret because he he said it publicly and so is bill he told me that he was related to the Goldmans and Goldman Sachs. His, his real last name is Zeligman or was Zeligman. And his father, Murray Zeligman, was a big time Wall Street trader. I think that helped unwind the Hunt brother position. Very well known. In fact, if you Google him, he pops right up, Murray Zeligman. But um, he said that he was told that when the second reset comes, the Mother Nature reset, the U.S. government would confiscate coins that were not American made in origin. Now, he believed that. I know Bill believes that. Um, take it for what it's worth. I still own a lot of stuff that isn't American made, albeit I prefer American made. But it's worth noting that really is the whole story. And I think it's it's worth mentioning. But as far as people really running to, to place orders over the weekend, it's emblematic of the way people are in this country. And they are very reactionary. And, you know, they see something happen uh, uh, horrible in, in, in Israel and, and there's a big reaction to it. But what happens when we keep seeing these things? And at, one, at what point do, do we see the, the public become very reactionary? So, yes, order volume has picked up. The premiums have not responded yet. The premiums, I think, have bottomed and have stayed relatively stagnant for the past couple of weeks. Availability is still really, really good. But look, if things start to, to spiral out of control uh, and it really catches the eye of the American public, uh, that changes in a heartbeat. And that's always been my end game when I talk about a market that ultimately will be defined by an inability to source product in very high premiums. I say that because you and I have been talking to the pimple on the elephant's ass and the elephant has to know with all of this chaos around us on top of Hawaiian wildfires and, and record household debt and record household mortgage debt and records auto loans and record student debt, which is the largest asset of this country and record credit card debt. People have to start 
to feel a little bit of uneasiness and you throw in all of this geopolitical chaos. Um, when the public wakes up, that'll change in the blink of an eye. And it just feels to me like the spring is being wound tighter and tighter and we're almost to that point. So yeah, good availability. Premiums haven't reacted yet, but you see more problems, especially geopolitical problems or problems here with the banking issues that I see really being the main culprit in my mind's eye of what breaks the, the system. That'll change. And so what is really plentiful today may not be so tomorrow, but yeah, it, it's still a very, very buyer-friendly market right now. Yeah, and like you point out, there there certainly is plenty going on. Uh, obviously, it was tragic to see what happened in Israel over the weekend. Concerning when uh, just a couple hours after it happened, Netanyahu was talking about we're at war and going to be at war for a long time. Obviously, we already have another war going on, many wars going on in the world, but certainly with what's going on with Russia and Ukraine and um then, of course, you have all the economic issues that I think are really starting to alarm people, especially the rise in the yields in the bond market, which I guess that's another factor we can tack into that debt issue that we talked about, because as you get the yields going up, that's adding to the interest expense, making the deficits bigger, making more debt, making uh, more uh, higher interest expense from that. So really not an ideal scenario, especially. No, and you look, you got Rick Santelli on CNBC, right? A very, a very moderate guy. I think he's great. Um, I don't watch CNBC too much anymore, but uh, I couldn't help but notice he's calling, his, his charts will show short-term interest rates going as high as 16%. Now, that's Rick Santelli from, from a very liberal media source talking about 16% 10-year treasury rates. Now, you know, uh, what does the economy look like with 20 plus percent mortgages? What does the economy look like with 28, 30% credit card debt? What does the economy look like when you're at 16% on the 10-year? So may not get that high, certainly, but, you know, here's a guy who's very, 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 very well-read um, and very moderate and um, talking about the possibility of, of double digit 16% interest rates. Well, what's inflation looking like with 16% interest rates? So yeah, you know, that's got to wake some people up and maybe it, it, it takes something jarring where the 10 year jumps above 5% quickly and continues to move. And what does that look like to the bank balance sheets? And as rates rise and puts more strain on the banks and more bank downgrades, people run to withdraw their funds, which means the banks need to sell their treasuries in order to raise those funds, which pushes rates up more, which puts more strain on the banks, which means they have to sell more treasuries to meet more redemptions, which pushes the, I mean, it's just a, it's really a doom loop. And if we see rates continue to rise, I think that is where the problem will, will start with, with the banking issue, as we've talked about, the majority of the public doesn't understand that the Dodd-Frank Act made bailouts illegal. And that's why there was such outrage with the Silicon Valley and signature banks that were bailed, bailed out. They're supposed to be bailed in, according to Dodd-Frank. So to me, that's what I see. And it's like that. Everything changes because you're talking to one or two percent max of the public. We are. What happens when 90 percent of the public looks for a safe place to put their money? very quickly things change. Yeah, 
Well, that's makes me wonder if we're getting to the point where finally the debt does matter. We have that famous quote from Dick Cheney. Uh, geez, I guess that was almost 20 years ago where he said deficits don't matter. And it feels as if more and more of the world, even the mainstream, is starting to notice that a little bit. And um, you can keep piling it on. But when you have different countries pulling away and selling treasuries in some cases and all these other factors you mentioned, and, and especially when the, the supply is increasing so much, um, makes you wonder how all of that plays out. Although, Andy, uh, back to what we mentioned earlier with the somewhat bizarre reaction on Friday where you had the headline number come in, almost double the expectations, um, over 300,000 jobs created. And here you see is actually the opposite of a pattern we often see where the metals will spike up before getting hammered down lower. And here you see on the news, perhaps somewhat what you would have expected, gold and silver to trade lower. And then going from 2180 or so, almost 80 cents higher at the end of the day. Were you a bit surprised by that one? I mean, I think that caught a lot of people off guard. Obviously, some of the funds have been getting shorter a little bit. So Vince Lancey was on the show on Monday talking about how there was a little bit of a short squeeze, but I'm curious if you had any thoughts on that somewhat unusual reaction we saw last Friday. Yeah, and I do believe when we see the commercials really get on the long side, watch out. That may be when they flip the switch and let it run, but maybe it's that the people understood that the information that comes out of the Bureau of Labor Statistics is a lie. They should take the L out of the BLS and call it just BS because the information is a lie. The headlines and the job reports were talking about how we added what almost 340,000 jobs in September, something like that. And but what was missed, and maybe by the people who understand uh, value, understood that over the last three months, full time employment in the United States is down almost 700,000 jobs. I think it's just over 690,000. So while we added 336,000 jobs in September, over the last three months, we're down 690 plus thousand full-time jobs. So in other words, part-time employment jumped by nearly 1.2 million uh, jobs in June alone. So what you're seeing is people working two and three jobs part-time in order to pay for the higher cost of living. And, and corporations would rather hire part-time employees than full-time employees that have to deal with, you know, the, the, uh, the cost of benefits and, and, you know, the cost of, of maintaining a full-time position. So it's just smoke and mirrors. When you add 1.2 million part-time jobs, when you lose 692,000 full-time jobs, the information coming out of the BLS, whether they're talking about unemployment or inflation, is just a flat-out lie uh, that is uh, that is done to affect uh, a, a certain reality. And even you know, you look at what John Williams talks about. Go look at Shadow Stats. He'll tell you unemployment's much higher than they tell us. He'll tell you that inflation is much higher. He's not making those numbers up. He's just using the metrics by which they used to be calculated that have now been altered to fit an inflationary agenda and one that certainly isn't as honest and forthright as it should be when we're trying to decide how to invest our money or when you realize that the Federal Reserve is trying to achieve full employment and, and stable prices, you know, 
it's a, it's a it's a shell game, and you have to take what they're saying with a grain of salt. Maybe the people controlling the markets understand that. Yeah, and actually, uh, since you mentioned the CPI, I know people think, or I guess there's a lot of different things people could think about CPI when we talk about the flaws in the formula. Although, wanted to pull this up because this was something that I remember being stunned by, where. In terms of this was back about 10 years ago when Obama actually suggested changing the CPI formula, he was proposing that as a means of deficit reduction. He wasn't saying that there is a, a problem with the formula, but they were specifically looking for ways um, to rein in spending as they were dealing with deficits back then. Um, President to include the chain CPI in his budget uh, and you can Google this and find plenty of articles about that. But I thought that was one of the most blatant uh, and out, you know, right out there examples of now that I don't believe he ended up actually changing it, but was proposed as a means of deficit reduction. So, well, it's not working because, you know, in the last uh, 18 days, the U.S. has added $444 billion in debt. And at that pace, we'd be at over 11 trillion per year in 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 adding to the, as a deficit, adding to the national debt. It took until 1975, from the onset of this country to 1975, to rack up our first 500 billion, and we just did it in 18 days. At the speed at which the debt is is increasing, it's unbelievable. I think we're close to two trillion right now from when they raised the debt ceiling, it took 210 years about, I know it was about 209, 210 years or longer to get the first two trillion. And, and we've done it in just a few months. So the speed at which the debt is accelerating has to catch people's eye. And we're spending money that we don't have. We're giving money away that we do not have. And we're bankrupting this country and people have to understand that. And as the debt level is increasing, it's not just government debt, it's personal debt too. Like we said, record auto debt, record mortgage debt, record credit card debt, record student debt. All of this debt is now becoming harder and harder and harder to service as rates rise. And at what point does the system break? And this is why I think the phrase gold and silver are assets that are not someone else's liability. There's no counterparty risk with precious metals in your possession. And I think that's going to be a really dirty buzzword over the next, you know, several months or year or two, counterparty risk. And in an environment that is as leveraged and undercapitalized as ours is, and an administration hell-bent on making the dumbest decisions, whether they're intentional or not, well, we can debate that, but they're not clinging to the to the privilege of being the world reserve standard. They're not clinging to the privilege of being the beacon of honesty and trust. And it's eroding away, I think, at, at the way people look at, at the dollar. And when you see the accumulation of debt and rates rising and confidence being lost, well, that, that's not a recipe for, for good things to happen. In fact, I think we are on the brink of a religious experience. And I don't say that to try to make the phones ring. I mean, I say that for as a father of three kids who's concerned for the first time, really. In fact, I shouldn't say the first time. I've been getting more and more and more concerned. Most of it having to do deal with the idiocy of, of our political uh, direction. And 
but you keep seeing things like this. Like, how the hell do we spend $444 billion that we don't have in 18 days? I mean, how do we do that? And, and at what point, I mean, what would that $444 billion do for our border, for our, our, our cities that are, are being uh, destroyed? What would it do to the infrastructure? I mean, where is this money going? And it's just, it's mind boggling that we, we spend it like this and not on the right things and not in the right way. And, and the ramifications are just being kicked down, you know, down the street, kicking that can further and further until at some point the can won't kick anymore. And, uh, you know, we're not there yet. I understand that, but you look at, at the way the world is reacting to the U S and you look at the things that we're doing and you just have to shake your head not to mention all of the the lack of unity in the United States. What's the old saying for you know, the Communist Manifesto? Divide and conquer. We are very divided. This country, red and blue and black and white and vaccine, no vaccine. And I mean, it, it's it's awful. It's never been like this. You were never identified by who you voted for in the last election. You are now in a visceral sort of way. And I think that all of these things need to be spoken about, not just one thing because it's all part of a bigger equation and it's rotten it's rotting from the inside out and that's a good example of it yeah he wants to lie about the cpi you know because of spending because they know they can't stop spending you know like you said when we were talking before we got on uh, dick cheney said deficits don't matter okay fine they don't matter if you're a productive uh, economy but we're an economy that doesn't make anything anymore. That is, is really not in a very good position. A country that's 155 trillion in debt with 5 trillion in assets, the largest being student debt, 40% of our assets. We're a country that's not unified and we're making dumb decisions both at home and, and, and globally. There will be a moment of reckoning. There must be, you can't continue to run deficits like this because you know what, Mr. Cheney, they do matter. And they will begin to matter. And when you see rates continue to rise, God help us if what Rick Santelli says is true. You see 16% on the 10-year treasury, you're going to see Armageddon. And, you know, this is coming from a guy who, who you know, generally, you know, he's not Fox News. He's not right-leaning. He's speaking the truth. And, and I think you see rates that go double-digit, you know, God forbid, it, it, the whole system breaks apart. So these are the things that I think are important to quantify and clarify. You know, you can we can say the same thing over and over and over again, but look at the speed at which these things keep happening. It's unbelievable. I mean, Speaker of the House removed, war breaks out, mortgage rates at all-time highs, Hawaiian wire, wildfire, OPEC cuts production, oil prices highest level in the year, record household, I mean, all keep going on and on and on. And it's like these things in and of themselves years ago would have been front page news, and now there's 20 of them and it just glosses right by because we're used to the to this chaos. At some point, the music stops. And this is why you own gold and silver, period. And because it isn't someone else's liability, it, it has no counterparty risk. And in a world that is, is, I think, somewhat coming apart at the seams, the lack of counterparty risk, I think, is one of the most important things that you could try and achieve. Well, speaking of lack of counterparty risk and CNBC, reminds me of a story that popped into my head while you were saying that, because 
back in my days on the New York Stock Exchange when I was still trading on the equity options post, I had just finished a couple of Jim Rogers books and he used to come down there to do his interviews with CNBC. So he'd actually be on the floor and they had a booth uh, upstairs and, you know, I really enjoyed his book and went over and just introduced myself and said, hello, hi, hi Jim, or Mr. Rogers, I'm sure I called him, really enjoyed the, the book and everything that you shared. And did I ever tell you this story of what he no. did when I said that? <laughs> No, he actually reaches into his pocket and pulls out an ounce of silver. And he's like, well, <laughs> this is what you're going to need there, Junior. And uh, fortunately, this was shortly after I just purchased that thousand ounce silver bar that I wheeled home on the path train. So I was able to say, I understand, sir. I'm, I'm right there with you. And but yeah, the first time I met him, that was actually our only time. Well, no, I did an interview with him a couple of years ago. Uh, but yeah, the first time uh, meeting him in person, went over and talked to him and pulled an ounce of silver out of his pocket. And he still talks about gold and silver. And um, so, I mean, there's certainly a lot of investors that, I mean, it's not just the gold and silver bugs. And so little Jim Rogers story. Well, for you know, for those of you who have never met Chris in person, he's about six foot three, six, four. He looks like he could be a linebacker. Six and six I say that to you because... I don't, if any of you have ever tried to carry a thousand ounce silver bar, I used to have one on my desk in Minnesota and I would tell people with one hand, one hand, no leverage, one hand, if you pick it up, you take it home. And I never met anyone who could pick it up with one hand ever. So just trying to see you standing, waiting for the train and holding this 70 pound dead weight on the train is enough to make me laugh hysterically. And then to watch you, that thing must have weighed 300 pounds by the time you finally got home and set it down. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. I often ask people if they know how much a thousand ounce silver bar weighs. And the correct answer is not a thousand ounce, but several million pounds is what it felt like. Um, although uh, perhaps not the best way to go about it, but I didn't have a doorman where I was living and such as how I handled that one and yes. stories to learn from. Although Andy, in terms of debt loads and things that are going on out there, apparently there's someone in Florida aside from you and me that is also concerned about this. And certainly I think people are familiar with Matt Gates. obviously was not happy with Kevin McCarthy and his tenure as speaker of the house, but he's also been making some other comments that I played for you before we started and, said you'd like to comment on this one. So just play a snippet here for the folks at home first. I don't think voting against Kevin McCarthy is chaos. I think 33 trillion in debt is chaos. I think that facing a $2.2 trillion annual deficit is chaos. I think that not passing single subject spending bills is chaos. I think- So as you can see viewers at home, that's so much chaos that Andy Schechtman couldn't handle the pressure of the chaos that's going on in Congress. He was sorry about that. He's I apologize. I'm back. The dog was scratching at the door. So yeah, no, I think he's spot on, Chris. I mean, uh, he's right. You know, he's he's a politician. He's the first politician other than than Ron or Rand Paul who speak the truth. And look, the BRICS country has just sold 123 billion in U.S. Treasury bonds this year, and they're continuing to dump our treasuries because I think they see that 
the path that we have chosen is inflation over austerity. We will never balance our budget. We will never normalize our balance sheet. And that means inflation. That means much more inflation and money creation. And if we don't stop the spending, then we're going to end up bankrupt. I mean, we already are. Look, we're, we're at 120, almost 130% debt to GDP. And I was listening to something last night that basically said every single time in history that a country has eclipsed 130% debt to GDP, they have never not defaulted. And a default could be just hyperinflation like Zimbabwe or the Weimar Republic or a flat out default. And we're right there. We're at that level right now where there is no uh, going back. And the fact that we added 450 billion in the last 18 days is proof of that. They're continuing to spend us into, um, uh, you know, insolvency. So I think that what he is saying is 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 right, and it, it's rare. You know, before you asked me, I didn't see that, and I I was annoyed that he created this chaos within the house when this is not the time we need chaos. But after seeing that and thinking about it for a few seconds, he's right. At what point does the madness stop? You know, I mean, at what point do we just have to say, I mean, we can't keep doing this. And I guess there really isn't a good time. And that's why these things go on forever, because the politicians that get up there and say, we're going to cut spending and cut entitlements and we're going to up the age of retirement and all of these things that have been promised to people you know, it's not easy to do. And, but you know what? I give the guy credit and uh, he, he'd have my vote. I'll tell you that much. Well, good to see someone at least talking about it. I don't know how much he's saying that just to win some attention or political points, or maybe he really is genuinely concerned about that. So at least uh, good to hear that enter the conversation. And Andy, in terms of things to listen to, I'm going to send this one your way later on. Um, although I wanted to pull it up uh, just as a recommendation. People for lo looking for something else to watch or listen to today. Great interview with Luke Groman, where he talked about a lot of these dynamics. Also connected what's happening in the oil market. And title here, bond market sell-off will continue if U.S. dollar and oil stay high. Uh, Luke one of the smarter people uh, talking about all these things that I've found out there, quite a brilliant man. And I think he'd enjoy this one as well. I'm watching it my second time now. Um, certainly a lot of information he passes along. Interesting comments. You get to the end there where he talks about the role that he sees gold playing in this. Um, and as many of you who are on the GATA email list might've seen, they sent out one of his old reports where he does think that there will have to be some, or maybe not have to be, but back in uh, March, I believe, in one of his newsletters, he was talking about how he sees the possibility of having a gold reset to a higher price. So um, I'll put the link to that in the description field below and would recommend uh, folks watching it. Andy, I'll send it over your way as well. And just... Uh, I like him too. You know, it's interesting, Chris, the, the in the... On the balance sheets of the banks, the gold is held in an account that they call the gold revaluation account. Uh, it's almost like they've thought about this. It's it's valued, I think, in Europe at $35 an ounce and in the U.S. at $42.22 an ounce. And, you know, so that's what they have it on their books at. 
uh, for whatever reason. Um, you know, maybe they do push it up to 10,000 an ounce and all of a sudden your, your balance sheet is, uh, is solid. You know, when you compare assets to liabilities, but I guess, you know, these are things that what ifs, but it's interesting. They call it the gold revaluation account. So I like Luke as well. He's, he's no nonsense, smart guy. I will check that out this evening. Well, Andy, appreciate everything you shared here as always. And before we wrap up, if people are looking for silver deals, anything on special this week that you could pass along? Yeah. So for silver right now, we're doing the silver Morgan dollar one ounce rounds at $2.09 over. And uh, here again, you know, and let me, let me be clear on something. They have the Morgan dollar design. They are not U.S. mint made coins. And a lot of people think that the Buffalo rounds are U.S. made coins, by the way, because you got the eagle and the buffalo and gold. It just so happens the U.S. mint does not make the silver buffalo. They make the silver eagle. The Morgan silver dollar they used to make and they made some um, some new ones last year and the year before. But these are just one ounce rounds with the Morgan dollar design on them. A one ounce pure silver, uh, 209 over any quantity available for immediate delivery and in stock. And uh, for those people that want a little bit of fractional gold, we're going to do one gold and one silver each week. Uh, we do have half ounce American Eagles on sale at $115 over their melt value. So you would take the price of gold, you would divide it by two and add $115. Well, appreciate that. And you can find out more about that at Arcadia at milesfranklin.com. Happy to get information to people there, talk to you about that or any of the other things that we discuss on the show. So Arcadia at Miles Franklin and Andy, with that said, going to wrap up for this week. But appreciate you making some time Love as you, always. And uh, who knows what will happen by next week. But a lot of things going on out there. And again, just sending prayers that people in Israel and in Gaza and everywhere, safe and healthy. I know it's a tense time in the world and just hope people are doing well out there. So Andy, thank you for being here and we will talk to you next week. Look forward to it, buddy. Talk to you soon.